feeling good, feeling clean, feeling manscaped. Got that lawnmower 3.0 as a part of the perfect package 3.0 kit, and you can get it too, and you can get it for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. You just got to use the promo code DNVR20, and you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of great stuff. Of course, you know about the lawnmower 3.0, which is gonna get you nice and cleaned up without any nicks. Got a nice LED light to make sure that you get cleaned up everywhere. You don't miss any spots and it takes care of your sensitive zone. You also get the crop preserver, some anti-chafing deodorant. You get the crop reviver, a little bit of spray on toner and you get some spritzer for the shower. Plus the most comfortable pair of boxers you have ever worn in your life. That's what makes it the perfect package for your perfect package. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code DNVR20 at manscaped.com today. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me is DNVR Rockies beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on today's episode, we're going to be very excited, assuming he hasn't fallen asleep and forgotten or, or fallen. I know he's been ill lately, but we were, we were 90% sure that we will be welcoming in our guy from John Boy Productions, uh, Talkin' Jake. It'll be good to hear and uh, see him again, uh, talk to him on draft day. We're going to try to dive into that. A little bit deeper. Before we do that, we've got a few more thoughts on kind of the post-draft aftermath and how the Rockies prospects line up. But even before that, we got baseball action for you. Everyone's frustrated about Major League Baseball right now, and we understand why. We've dived into it a bunch of times, and, and we will dive into it again in the future. But Patrick, there is live baseball, and not only is there live baseball, there's live baseball out there that you can get a little bit of skin in the game Maybe earn a little bit of money. What do you got for the folks? Yeah, right now, if you go on uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, besides getting a sweet little discount, there's some KBO game action tomorrow morning or tonight, depending on your sleep schedule. There's some big games going on right now in the, in the KBO. And, you know, sports coming back. Uh, English Premier League, we're going to be seeing uh, on DNVR bets. They, they've got all of that covered and more. But KBO is still real hot right now, and there's a couple real good odds that I do like uh, for the Wednesday morning games. NC Dinos, my NC Dinos are still looking good. Mike Wright is on the hill, 
So I really like their their odds of pulling through for you guys at minus one thirty seven. They're still in first place right now, and they they look you know you can't look unbeatable in baseball, but you certainly can look incredibly hard to beat, and that's where the Dinos are at. Not to mention the LG Twins, who should be getting Roberto Ramos back, Colorado's favorite son right now in the 2020 season, the best player in the world right now. <laughs> True, fair not, enough. Not many players are playing in the world right now, but Roberto Ramos is one of those guys. He'll be coming back soon. Uh, don't think he'll be active in time for Wednesday's game at 3.30 Mountain Time, but for that reason, I do like the under. The pitchers have been a little questionable, uh, but right now, 10.5 is the going number. I like the under on that, and I still do think you got to go with the LG Twins at minus 148. I believe we got Chad Bell on the hill, you know, for for the LG Twins. Excuse me, it's uh, Ling Cheng Wu, and uh, against Chad Bell, who has not looked good this season for the Hanwha Eagles, 8.80 ERA. He's 0 and 2. And if you've been following the standings, the Eagles are in last place, 9-28, and 28, a 243 winning percentage. So they are, they are looking like they're going to get the best pick in the 2021 KBO <laughs> as it, draft. As it turned out, right? All right, nope. Patrick, I got I to gotta nail you down here, though. We need our DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week. You can only take one of those for your Pick of the Week. What do you feel most confident in? The pick of the week has to be NC Dinos. It's got to be going the over minus one thirty-seven. Kia Tigers. You know Matt Williams has done an interesting job learning the Korean style of game. Obviously, I think he's about only the third American manager or even third foreign-born manager in the KBO. So he's done a much better job. They're sitting at twenty and seventeen after a rough go of it. But I really just like you know who's on the hill. I like the matchup with Mike Wright against Lee Min Woo. So. I'm going dinos all the way, not because I'm a homer, but because I like the numbers. There's enough evidence to support going all in on the dinos on the Wednesday. I mean, they've, they've been the class of the league, homer as you may be. Yeah. They've been the class of the league. The, the facts speak for themselves. And if you're wondering how you get in on all this action, well, you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You use the promo code DNVR. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But you got to know about DraftKings Sportsbook, man. It, it really is an awesome app that you can use. You can use it anywhere, everywhere. You can bet on all kinds of sports, as Patrick's talking about, whether you're into soccer, international baseball. Uh, golf is a, a big, big thing going on right now. You can do day-by-day, day, even hole-by-hole hole live betting. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. It's not any of that offshore nonsense. You withdraw your funds at your own convenience and deposit at your own convenience. And there are all kinds of special odds and promotions going on constantly, uh, sometimes even DNVR specific related bets that you can lay down, which is really, really cool. So download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code DNVR when you sign up and check this out for a limited time. All new users get a sign up bonus of up to $1,000, a G, 1K. Smackaroon, an entire smackaroon, I believe is the technical term. That's right. All out with this sign up bonus a thousand bucks. All you have to do is enter code DNVR when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. The bonus is comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. The deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough. 
Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please, please, please call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Patrick, as I was mentioning earlier, I want to jump in a little bit here before we can welcome our guy, Jake, who I'm in some contact with. So I think we're likely to see him here pretty soon. Um, about where the Colorado Rockies updated prospect rankings are. We got into this a little bit on draft night, but, you know, I think we only began to have the conversation. So let's just quickly here sort of give people our listen. There you see that's, uh, you know, what we're talking about on draft night. This was before how uh, this is Baseball America's rankings straight up, right? These We didn't do anything to these. Um and, and so I was thinking we could provide the folks with kind of our own take on what the Rockies top 10 is. Um, and going off, now, now mine's not that different from the, the Baseball America one. Of course, one thing we've got to take into account here is that uh, a draft has occurred in the meantime. And th- there's a big question about where to slot people in, but I'll give you my top one, two, three, four, because they they do vary from Baseball Americas a little bit. So you've got four. So the Rockies have selected six players in the draft. They also have taken a player as undrafted free agent, Luke Lysenrig, uh, out of the University of South Carolina, Aiken. We did cover that. We were the first to get that story out there. So there are seven players, but uh, of the six that are drafted, you think there are four that would make this list, Drew? No, no, no. I'm just giving you the Rockies' top four prospects total. Uh, so, <laughs> Barbie doll. Yankees Barbie doll. We'll have to tell the story. You'll have to tell the, the, <laughs> the story behind that at some point. Um, so, yeah, I've only got one of the Rockies' recent uh, draft picks from this draft making their top five prospects. And it is Zach Veen as well. It would be, but I do have him slotting in just behind Brendan Rogers, who does still technically qualify as a prospect. And so if you've got to include him and you'll see this as a theme throughout my list, much of it is built on trust and there is just more trust. You can have in a guy who's performed at the professional level while I may see a, a higher ceiling potentially on Veen as of right now, Rogers has to be my number one, and Veen very comfortably is in at number two. Right, and so so to go back maybe a half a step, Zach Veen, of course, was the ninth overall pick. You know, if you've been tuning into our our draft coverage leading up to it, you know, he was a guy we did not think was going to be on the board. We also didn't think Max Meyer was going to be on the board. We were hoping he'd be slipping. He'd, he'd be almost the Jerry Judy of the draft, but a different Jerry Judy emerged, and Zach Veen slipped to the ninth spot. Mm-hmm. After that, you had Drew Romo, well, who's taking the collective bargaining, uh, excuse me, the, the compensation round uh, A. Uh, that was pick number 35. Chris McMahon, right-handed pitcher. He was taken in the second round, 46 overall. Left-handed pitcher Sam Weatherly out of Clemson University, third round, 81st overall. Local boy, uh, Douglas County High School, right-handed pitcher Case Williams was uh, was drafted out of high school in the fourth round, pick number 110, and shortstop out of the University of Michigan, Jacob Blomgren, fifth round, pick number 140, and as we mentioned, Luke Lysenring, 
at the University of South Carolina Aiken. That is who the Rockies have assembled so far from the 2020 MLB draft. And I have got three of those players in their top 15 on my personal list now, as you see there. So that would mean that Jacob Wallace uh, will no longer be able to, to be in the top 15. In fact, a, a number of those people. And you can even see the three right there with Carl Kaufman, Taryn Vavra, and Jacob Wallace all fit. Um, well, the first two fit more what I was talking about earlier with body of work. How much can I trust you as a professional? Just haven't seen as much yet. Vavra is just a little bit younger. Kaufman hasn't even performed at all as a, a pro yet. And, and Wallace is a relief pitcher who I think is very, very interesting, but they're always going to have a limited, you know, more limited ceiling. I'm always going to be more excited about a starting pitcher and, you know, potentially a gold glove catcher than I am to give it away uh, who the other two are. So you started with Zach Veen and you said he would be number two on your list. He would slot right. between Brendan Rogers and Ryan Rawlson. And I would, I would agree with that. However, I would not be shocked if on a lot of the updated prospect rankings, if we see Zach Veen ahead of Brendan Rodgers. There is a chance that some of these you know, scouts and pundit prognosticators are really going to fall in love with Veen's projectability. As, as good as Brendan Rodgers has been in the minors and as good as I think the Rockies think he's going to be, I don't know that he has the potential to have a Cody Bellinger-like impact on the team, on the league, whereas Zach Veen does. He's much further away from that. Great. But I think until he shows that he's clearly not Cody Bellinger and maybe more like, a, you know, Lorenzo Cain or, or someone else, a lower-tier outfielder who's maybe the second-best outfielder, uh, you know, patrolling in a lineup, you, you have him towards the top. So, again, it would not shock me to see him at the top of that list. Totally agree. Totally agree. And we'll maybe continue with this. We'll see where our guy is at, but we got to bring him in now because he's here with us and we can't delay any further. So we can, we can keep looking at those uh, top prospects as we go through, but there's a lot going on in the world of baseball that we want to talk about with our guy who talks baseball all the time on their podcast, talking baseball. If you happen to have the Yankees as your AL team, you can check them out at talking Yanks. Of course, you know John Boy Media on the Twitter sphere and all the fantastic things they're doing out there. Welcome to the show, Talking Jake. What's happening, hey guys? How we doing, Mr. Storielli? How are you? If you guys have to bring Philip Deal out of the bullpen again, I understand. Um, <laughs> I like his mix. Um, man, how how are you guys? What's going on? We're hanging in there. Uh. <laughs> I, I'm good. I don't know if you can see by the memorabilia behind me, but I am back in New Jersey right now. Yes, so I, I'm. I'm on the road. Uh, I'm at. I'm at the Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, studios as opposed to the the Coors Field one we've got in our home. But doing okay. We're hanging in there. Love seeing a good road game. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's nuts, man. How how about the past twenty four hours, forty eight hours in in yeah. baseball history? <laughs> um, yeah. How however the book ends up getting written, uh, but I'm here to deep dive into Zach Veen. I mean, are we seeing him as a Brad Hop type, or what are we what are we picturing? 
They've already sold me on Cody Bellinger, Larry Walker. I can't walk it yes. down to Brad Hop now. Like they, the, the these are other people, not me, making these comparisons. So I just get to adopt them and be excited about them. Take them and run, man. Take them and run. I don't know. He, uh, I, I know I talked to you guys briefly when that Rockies pick was coming up, and hey, I he's kind of got a baseball name. The swing looks smooth. I mean, yeah, that that'll translate in a couple years, of course, if baseball still exists. Right. Yeah, you're right. His his name is kind of tailor made for baseball, and that short and sweet. You could either go Zackzilla or Veen Kong. That's Ooh, those are okay. the names I got going circulating oh, right now. Zackzilla, Veen Kong. Veen Kong is pretty good. I'm in on that. Yeah. Um, so as we were discussing before you got in here, he, he immediately becomes basically a toss up with Brendan Rodgers at worst for the top prospect in the Rockies system. And, and I, and you know, yeah. And, and at the lowest he's in second <laughs> already, man. And I, I wish, uh, I, I wish before we get into it, that we were here talking about Brendan Rodgers breaking out, or we were yeah. talking about Marquez is pushing for the Cy Young or who, any litany of things that would be baseball. And it, it sucks that we're not. So I, uh, appreciate you guys taking to the battlefield as regularly as we do and and trying to talk some baseball and your guys draft stuff. I, I, I know you guys were giving out the credit, but holy smokes, that was a uh, I mean, that was it. That was TV show. Yeah, man. I, our, our producers and directors, Ali and Rudo, man, those guys are amazing. And, and Patrick and I can talk for a long time. So that's pretty good. <laughs> you guys it's, did it. It's fun. It's it's you know like John Boy does in the morning where he's going and he's like researching stuff and he's learning on the fly. That was that was the weeks and and month leading up to the draft. Whereas you know we, we keep an eye on this as baseball fans. You know you you kind of have your hands in and on all these different pots and you figure out what's going on even before KBO and MPB came back. Or, you know came back. I was aware of what was going on over there, but doing this, it was like studying. It was learning on the fly and, and getting all these names down and, and learning about division two and division three schools. And it was fun. It just, it, it takes you back to a time where you didn't know everything and you had decided as a baseball fan, I want to learn everything. So I'm going to do it. And this was kind of one of the last areas of like, Hey, you know what? A lot of baseball fans don't know a lot about the draft. Let's dig in deep. Let's learn about these guys and let's, you know, provide the best content possible. So thank you for the, for those compliments. Hey, and it's, it's so tough. And it's one of the, <laughs> I was going to say one of baseball's actual struggles, but uh, baseball is creating their own struggles as they go. But I, I mean, it, it really is tough, right? Cause I mean, Zach, Zach Veen, if he fast tracks it, I mean, you know, two, three years if if he's incredible. And it's just it's so tough to stay on that pulse. I uh, and I mean, I like to do it. I know I've mentioned to both of you guys a couple of times I play my out of the park baseball game and that lets me do it a little bit. Um, but it it really is tough. And I'm I'm actually going to put the Yankees down. So if ever for everyone listening, you could you could unmute me for a little bit. Um, it's also tough in Yankees land and this isn't being snooty, but I was going through the Yankees draft picks and I, I think two of the last 14 years have been impact players and it's Aaron judge who the MLB has is now shoving down everyone's throats and partially rightfully so. And then it goes back to Jabba Chamberlain. So it's tough. How, how do you 
tell that fan base to get locked into this kid when they don't have the body of evidence to back it up. So I don't know. There's there's some first world problems if if anybody wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Aaron Judge was the was the last first round pick to actually make his debut with the Yankees because you know their recent you know uh, run of, of good play back to back 100 win seasons. They've had to go out and kind of deal a lot of those prospects, coupled with the fact that their first pick, Austin Wells, is a catcher. We just took Anthony Siegler two years ago, kind of doing somewhat what the Giants did, but with much less higher, you know, potential catchers, taking catchers in two out of three years. That, you know, that, that leaves, you know, begs certain questions. Where, where, how did you like what they did later on in the, the, the second, third round, day two of the draft? Where they only had three picks, is that right? Yeah, I'm trying to think. We we talked to Austin Wells uh, on Talking Yanks, so that was that was pretty cool. Uh, mostly because <laughs> I, I'll be honest for for talking baseball, we've been cranking out content and it's been good. I mean, between interviews and the news that's been coming out, we've been able to really put a great product out there, and I'm I'm really proud of it. I, me and John Boy, I think we might have mentioned this on the draft. We've been a little bummed out because, I mean, with Yankees news, we've been running dry a little bit. So it's um, it, it was cool that we had him on. And uh, I'll tell you what, Austin Wells might be listed as a catcher for the next little bit, but I don't think my guy's a catcher. <laughs> so he, <laughs> his, his, his official position is listed as hitter. And he, uh, man, he was everything you want in your first round pick. He was professional, yet he was a confident 20 year old kid who he said, you know, his approach at the plate is I hit bombs. So, I mean, what, what, what more do you want from him? I think they got in there. And I don't know, man. I feel like we went from, I mean, this five day news cycle or, or whatever we're going to call it from, Rob Manfred standing up there saying we will unequivocally play baseball uh, mm. this year, which was kind of reported a week before that. But Rob, you know, got up there and said it. And then it turns out the player union has been waiting for that the whole time, baby, because uh, tell us when and where. What's uh, uh, what's the Rocky watch? Has everyone tweeted it? Are we still waiting for for Nolan? Who, who's who's in? Who's out? I haven't seen Nolan Hampson, Freeland, uh, Story, Dahl. Yeah, I anywhere. And and Nolan, it's I perfect. think talked They're to. They're on the same page. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Nolan, uh, I got to give a shout out to our guy Patrick Saunders over at the Denver Post. I, I'm straight up tell you, I've not read the story, but I saw the headline, and and I, the headline was Nolan Arenado hopes that the fans are paying attention. I feel like I can intuit exactly what that means, and. Uh, sadly, uh, like 90% of the replies to that article from the Denver Post were people saying, I'm just frustrated with both sides. I'm throwing up yeah. my hands. They're all a bunch of children. And that's like, that's exactly what Nolan was saying. He hopes people aren't doing. He hopes right. that you're paying attention to the details because on a surface level, it does look like a both sides thing. But when you start diving into this, you, it doesn't. <laughs> There's a lean. There's a definite lean. And I think uh, I, I'll, I can give my not so quick timeline of where I've been and I, where I think a lot of people have been. Uh, there was the in good faith times, which uh, let's be honest, if, if there's a time when the players, you can throw them under the bus. 
I mean, their first counteroffer wasn't in good faith either, either, but it's because the owners wasn't. So, you know, 112 games was never going to happen, but because we still negotiate like the worst people in your fantasy football league, you know, they came in as high as possible, hoping the players always want to land at half a season full prorated. I mean, that's like, that's hasn't been a secret. But, right. you know, they've they've had to negotiate because the owners have pushed it and the owners kept pushing at the full prorated. They never got anywhere. Kudos to the union for staying strong on that because they deserve to. They deserve to be paid for what they do <laughs> because a lot of those guys will only be able to do it for one, two, three seasons. Uh, so good on them. And I just think it's been so funny to see how this language and how everything was written in that March CBA has now come to light. We had that first initial fight over, um, you know, people in the stadium and if they were going to adjust for that. And I think in the original passing article, it was like, yeah, we checked with four arbiters, two said it would hold up. One said it wouldn't. And the other had no idea. And it's like, okay, (laughs) so if we're going to deep dive into that, we're screwed. We're absolutely screwed. So we did that for a little bit. So so that's what we (laughs) did. So of course we did. And that's the whole point is that, you know, their uh, legal language is, is fine in the court of law, but if we're going to court, that means the season's done. Like, the owners, right. if the owners wanted to, you know, manipulate this how they wanted to, they screwed up because once it goes to court, you already, you've already you already lost because now there's no season. So you might yeah. win in court, but okay, now what? You, you just – you can't go back in time and say, see, we were right. There's no time machines. And here's the I kicker. I, I don't think they are going to. I, I mean – you know, in good faith, which has been thrown out the window from the start of this by both sides, but mostly the owners. Um, And now we're at this point where Rob Manfred went on TV and said there will be baseball this year. The players kind of executed it perfectly because we all thought that Rob Manfred 48 game emergency button was kind of the end like that. That was it. And now it seems like they wanted Rob Manfred to say that because there was that other line in there that says they will try to play the most games possible. And it's become very clear that the owners don't want to do that. And now they're literally saying that they're, they still want to negotiate, but as long as the players won't file a grievance, if you're saying you don't want the players to file a grievance, that clearly means you think you did something wrong. Who says that? Um, right. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm, you know, yesterday was a very dark and sad day for baseball when Rob Manfred and that quote comes out. But I'm still optimistic, and it's a little bit my personality that I, I don't know if you want to call it darkest before the dawn or one step back, two steps forward. I think we're, we're going to make progress. I think I don't know if it's that 48-game button season, or I'm not sure what it looks like. I still think we're going to get some form of baseball this year. Um, It's just going to be interesting to what degree are the owners going to turn their back on Manfred at all? Are the owners going to cave in at all? Or are we just going to make this as ugly, drag out, knock out as possible? And I think you guys being so close to it know that that's (laughs) probably what's going to happen. Oh, I need a Breck brew. I need (laughs) it. I need a beer and I need it now, Patrick. I've got some right over in the fridge over there and I'm going to be grabbing a mile high copper. There it is. As soon as I'm done with this thing. Do we have uh, a weed sponsor right now? Get I need them. Mile High Green Cross is one of our sponsors. Uh, I don't know where they're at on our, 
our thing right now. But so grab some Mile High Green Cross and some. Uh, there, there it is. You get twenty percent oh. off when you sign up for their loyalty program. Uh, Breck Brew. The cool thing there is if you go down to the farmhouse, you can get five bucks off both your beer and your meal if you use the code DNVR. Is that one a 20? Let me double check. That one's just DNVR. Five bucks off. You call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. They'll take care of you. They'll get it all ready. You can go pick it up. The food is delicious. The beer is extraordinarily delicious and will help you get through these difficult times as we, we try to navigate all of this stuff here. And a, one place where you're probably going to be able to take in a Breck brew before, I don't know if you got it out there in uh, out on the East coast, if there's anywhere to get Breck brew. Yeah. You'll have to, you'll have to find one. And, and I'm and on it now. Us. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have, you'll have to let us know. And I want to see if we can pull up by the way, the video of you singing. Uh, oh, let me see. <laughs> we we gotta we gotta try to make this happen. We oh, gotta boy. try to. Uh, but one place you're probably gonna be able to take in a, a Breck Brew long before a baseball game is out at a Colorado Raptors rugby game. They're probably gonna have their stuff together because, as we have seen, baseball has been uniquely inept when it comes to returning. Uh, so you can check out a bunch of information on the Colorado Raptors if you wanna. Be a total expert on them once they return. You can check out our podcast here on the DNVR network. Follow Colton Strickler. He's breaking down the game of rugby 101 for you, teach you all the rules, get you to know the players here on the team, and you can buy some super cool merch. They have awesome-looking designs and colors and all that stuff. So get yourself set up with some DNVR Raptors gear because, uh, well, we may all have to become rugby fans here if – we don't have any major league baseball for the next two years. Uh, and even if there is still taking a rugby game, it's a whole lot of fun. You rugby guy, Jake, have you done the rugby thing? Man, I, uh, you guys have seen my body type. I was often the guy around the college campus that the rugby guys wanted to use as another hitting target, but I, I always turned it down. Uh, Hey, I, I respect it. Even even kind of the bro lifestyle that uh, college rugby sometimes pushes on. But uh, hey, all respect to the rugby guys. I uh, I remember there was a time in Dallas I was playing pathetic pickup basketball with one of my buddies, and these guys came over and were like, "Hey, you you boys want to play some rugby?" And we we said sorry, like we've never played, and thought that would be a get out of jail free card. And they were like, "Oh, you should play with us." And we're like. How dumb do you think we are? You think we're like 26 years old and I'm going to play my first rugby game? Like I'm already sore shooting hoops. So I uh, all respect to the rugby world, but I'm I'm not really in there yet. That that's not a game you can just jump into a pick a pickup game. I jumped into a, a pickup game of cricket. It was being Ooh. played on the tennis court next to where I live. And I said, I'm going over. I'm going to introduce myself to these guys, and we're going to play. And on a tennis court, we played this weighted tennis ball, and you couldn't hit line drives. If you hit the fence like you know, like you would almost hope to do, that was an out. And played cricket, and it was dope. It was great. And I haven't seen those guys since. They, <laughs> it was like a field of dreams, but for cricket. <laughs> but for cricket. All right, I'm going to see if I can get this video to play, unless, Patrick, you want to. Oh, did you get it? Oh, I got it. Oh, nicely done. Very, 
Oh, oh, that's that that right there. <laughs> that it. is the state of baseball, ladies and gentlemen. That's where we are. That's where we have arrived at. And instead of watching beautiful left side of the infield play in Colorado, we're watching my sunburned nose and my <laughs> my eighth grade chorus levels uh, let it rip. And yeah, man, it was a uh, it was kind of a tough day. We've we've had a small group coming to the office uh, starting last week. Uh, so we can do some content and stuff here. And we're two blocks away from Yankee Stadium. And so at about 4 p.m. Eastern or 5 p.m. Eastern, it breaks yesterday that Rob Manfred says he doesn't believe there will be a season. And it's just this. He just shrug and you say, what what can we do? Um, you know, we uh, yes, we've turned it into a business, but also in a way we've committed the past two, three years of our lives to uh, the game of baseball and trying to grow it. And, uh, yeah, you just, you just, you guys know the feeling. It's just these kind of kicks to the nuts that are like, are you kidding me? So I was picking up the train, I think the, the four or the six, right, right by the stadium. That's our work exit. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to leave it all out there. And you know what? The, the fans, the fans like it. So. Hey, as someone who used to sing on a stage for small amounts of money, I will say nailed it. Some some nice vibrato, a couple of good little up and down movements. I heart touched touched me here. Touched me. Were you, Just were miles. You, did you go to Catholic school? You, that's that's a choir voice, I think. I did not. I did not. I was a uh, I was a I was a public school gal. Um, I think I, I think I let it rip sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, I uh, playing an instrument didn't work out. Um, if I could ham it up and sing for a little bit, I'll, I'll sign up for that. And I may, maybe some of our maybe some of our viewers might be familiar with that voice. You have heard me sing at Armidas and Ogden Street Tavern uh, on a couple Friday Saturday nights. Uh, usually, I I had a I tried not to be the too drunk guy. I ended up slipping into a uh, you mix in a couple too many of those brecks and a little bit of the medicine and then you go up on stage and it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I did a flight of the Concord song <laughs> karaoke, uh, under very similar circumstances. Yeah. Not, not so long ago. And uh, which flight of the Concord song? Uh, I believe it was the most beautiful girl in the room. Looking around the room. I can tell that you are the most beautiful girl in the room hey brit brit That's... hey brit well you, jake you got a couple options um I think, emotional could, <laughs> I think you could be like the weird al yankovic of baseball parody songs that's an obvious avenue it's a route and the, se- and the second one is if you guys can get your money together over at, at john boy media you might be able to buy a team and maybe even the mets but on second thought, they're not very from, profitable. Though, on, you know? yeah, yeah, on second thought, they're not very profitable. It's a bad so, business investment. You know what? You may have to go the the weird yeah. Jake, the weird Al Jakeovich, <laughs> baseball parody songs. Because yeah, owning a baseball team is not very profitable. So forget it, scratch that. Suggestion. Yeah, that the second option. I mean, it sure it'd be fun and all uh, owning a baseball team and all the negative stuff. But it's just it's you know you're pissing money totally. away. 
Yeah, that's uh the the song stuff has caught on a little bit. I it's a it's a touchy line because I don't want people to take it too seriously. I don't want to have the conversation. Are you into singing? Because I'm not. Um, but if people can have fun with it, I will do that. And uh, yeah, there's there's been some whispers around here. If baseball doesn't happen, uh, you know. I, isn't there a baseball stadium on an Airbnb or something? Didn't that make the news cycle the other day? And like, yeah, I maybe just post something on the Twitterverse and say, hey, if you are in Florida, let's get it together today and make some content. But I I hope it doesn't get there. And I really hope that. Um, and maybe I'm just being too blindly optimistic. I still think they're going to do baseball in some form, because if they're not, it's just an an unreal failure like on on the part of everyone everyone loses everyone has failed some people have failed more than others and i'll say it and hopefully not spoil too much of what i'm writing right now but the man at the top has failed more than anybody and uh this is the kind of thing that 100 tarnishes the legacy of a commissioner <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave my further thoughts on that for an article. I'm, I've already written a thousand Fair. words on, um, but, and we can get back into it. I you know do want to g- say this, you know, what's going to make you upset uh, Drew is, <laughs> Here we go. Be upset about. <laughs> is according to my math, a 100% chance that Rob Manfred gets into the baseball hall of fame. And think about right. when I'm saying right. this. Right. Right. Every right. commissioner has been enshrined in the Hall of Fame, including Bud Selig. And you go, wait a minute, the steroid scandal totally ruined the home run record twice or two different home run records, right? The single season, the all-time with Bonds surpassing yeah. Hank Aaron. Yeah. And yet he's he's good. A time the he's All-Star good. game ended in a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that shit. Uh, right. so there are like, a couple. So, I mean, yeah. that. And, and maybe that's so like blasphemous of like, I'm not even going to acknowledge that, that I mean, he will end up in the hall of fame. I'm saying that right now in the midst of this. Right. Yeah. And that's it's crazy, but it's true. It is. And I think it's, uh, I don't know. We, we've tried on talking baseball to, to get to a level of neutral as possible. I mean, Trevor Plouffe used to play the game. He's been in player union meetings. His perspective is going to be from the players and that's fine. And it should be, um, We've tried to come in as neutral as possible, and I the only the only line of defense we could come up for Uncle Bob was that, hey, do you think that he wanted to be the person that went out and said a hundred percent will be playing baseball, and then follow that up five days later and say we probably won't? No, I mean right then right. it's you're the puppet for the owners. You're the one that has to go out there and do that. And, and you know, again, should that be a direct reflection of Rob Manfred? Not necessarily. But um, there's there's a lot. I mean, he, they've screwed the whole this whole thing up ten dozen ways. And then, I mean, man, you dive into some of the deep parts of it and just the way that they haven't advertised baseball for baseball fans and x amount of years and all the little stuff i'm patrick it's an interesting thing that yes the number the analytics you just cranked out is that rob manfred will make the hall of fame he's trying to break the chain he's um, doing and, his best and i 
I wonder <laughs> if it gets I wonder if it gets so ugly enough. This is the Jake theory that I stumbled into today is that let's say the owners are in a corner like they they can't use coronavirus as an excuse because the other leagues are figuring it out and going to be playing. So the players can just point at them and say, hey, if they figured it out, why couldn't we figure it out? MLS has a tournament coming out. I think lacrosse does as well. NBA's got the schedule. So if they can't use the coronavirus. The WNBA out, is going to be rocking and rolling. I'm, I'm getting in on the Phoenix Mercury. I think that's Okay, we're Mercury. Okay. Belmont I mean, I State Saturday. Yeah. I can't. Belmont State. I mean, there's sports leagues and people figuring it out that baseball is not going to be able to hide behind that. So if the owners have to come in and whether it's 60, 57, whatever number sad, whatever number they think won't make me completely sad, but still will, whatever number they come back with, they're still going to have to pin this on someone. And I think it's Rob Manfred. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the owners pivot on this and are like, hey, you know, this guy kind of. He screwed everything up. He's supposed to be a labor negotiator. This is yeah. what his specialty is. And look where we are. It's the laughing stock of sports. Yeah. I do want to hold your feet to the fire on a thing here in just oh, a second. Boy. But uh, can we it, do Jeter and Walker finally? <laughs> okay, we can do that too. No. Uh, let's see if we got what, what, what we've got time for. Last thing I want to say oh, on this is we got a comment from. Will, who says, you know, he mentioned earlier on Twitter today, and, and you're right, the whole MLB situation comes down to the March agreement for the players to receive 100% prorated salaries if that included fans would be allowed to attend or not. That's what Jake was talking about at the beginning, uh, you know, the legal terminology and what the arbiters yeah. had decided and whether or not that could end up in court. And and here's what I'll say about this and, and why the owners lose this argument because there are two things that are possible there one that's really what they meant and and the the agreement says that and if that were to hold up in court what that tells you is that the owners at the time purposefully ignored healthcare professionals and all of the experts who said there's zero chance you're going to be able to just come back and fill up your stadiums even as baseball they knew that in march so if they crafted an agreement that was contingent upon something they knew was not going to happen. It was not done in good faith. Uh, and then the other possibility is that it, they're just incorrect, that it was never contingent upon that, at which case the players have been correct every step along the way to say, we have an agreement. Can we just play baseball under the agreement we have in place? And then they made concessions when they, under that scenario, wouldn't have had to make any concessions whatsoever because they already had an agreement in place. So agreeing to fewer games or, you know, any of these other things. So, so, so it's, it's just, it's actually not a win for the owners if, if it comes out, well, it was contingent on having fans. It's like, well, then you totally screwed up in a different way by creating a, a, a ghost agreement to begin with. Right. And that's, uh, and that that kind of becomes part of the scary part, because what if what if they did do that ghost agreement to begin with to get into labor stuff almost that's been looming over this upcoming CBA? And I, I think the 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 two biggest things that need to kind of get to the fans is the the billionaires, millionaires thing. You know, people are already tired of that phrase. 
Um, but I think the number that came out was 65% of MLB guys don't make over a million dollars. So, uh, you know, I, you know, again, we're still talking a lot of money. Yes. I mean, more money than a lot of people will make in a lifetime, in a decade, whatever, but you have to understand who they're going up against the company that has doubled, tripled in, in value. You know, these, these, a lot of these baseball teams have gone from $800 million to $1.5 in 10 years, things like that. Um, and, you know, when, when they make money, that, that, that money doesn't get distributed to players. They keep right. that money. So if you're going to have one year where your company might not make, who even knows if they're losing numbers, uh, losing money? The books ain't open. Right. So it, even if they do have to lose money for one year, that is what it is. And I think the bigger thing, and uh, – I'll, I'll make a joke on myself about flexing to get it out of the way, but we Jack Flaherty is our number one guest on the podcast. Um, he's friends with Trevor Plouffe, so it's not like we've we've really done anything, but we've I think we've had him on three four times, and he's an awesome dude, um, real legit for being a freaking on a Hall of Fame career path. I, I mean, it's very young, but just just think about that. Um, but anyways, so he when this started going down, he texted and he's like, hey, I want to come on the podcast. And we were all like, you know, this was after the Blake Snell thing when he was talking on his Twitch. And we're like, you know, Jack Flaherty's still a young guy. Do we want this? Um, and we're like, hey, you know what? Let's it was like a Wednesday night. We were like, hey, if you still want to talk tomorrow, sleep on whatever you're thinking. Let's <laughs> talk tomorrow. Yeah. And he came in and everything was cool and collected and we had fun with him. But the biggest thing he drove home that I, if fans are listening, they need to know is that the players have made their concession and it's the big players. It's the Max Scherzers that were supposed to make $35 million this year that in a best case dream scenario that we snap our fingers and they start playing 75 games in a month. Max Scherzer went from making $35 million this year to 17 million or whatever it is. I'm I'm not a math guy. But I, and I think people need to think about what those numbers really mean. Like yes, it's crazy money. Instead of thinking Max Scherzer is going to make 17 million dollars this year, think that Max Scherzer lost 17 million dollars this year. And it's mostly for the young guys that haven't gotten their payday yet. Think about when that sliding scale originally came out, which was basically to divide the players and not in good faith. <laughs> there, there I go. Um, but, you know, all the guys making the minimum, the 500K under a million, you know, those guys weren't really affected. It was all the guys who were making big money. And guess what? Those guys have earned every single penny. And we just struggled to put ourselves in those shoes. But um, the players made their sacrifice. And that's where... When and where has become such a beautiful rally cry because it's tied into, I mean, just the beauty of baseball, right? Like that's, if, if, if I was still living in Denver and one of you guys texted me and said, Hey, we're playing a pickup baseball game at 3 PM. My response would be when and where. And it's, I, I mean, it's, it's the beauty of it and a little jab at the players. It's easy enough for them to all copy and paste and put out, which I think <laughs> maybe, maybe even more important. I think Francisco Lindor messed up the hashtag because you can't have the and sign in there. Frankie. Um, <laughs> come on. Damn uh, it, Frankie. You know, I, I know people are sick of the millionaire versus billionaire conversation or rather phrasing it like that because I don't think that really does justice. Like to to compare 
you know, the owners with the players, right? A billion dollars versus a million dollars. A billion dollars is 100 times that, (laughs) right? I am a math guy. It's 100 times that. So we think about minimum wage here in America as nationally it's getting close to almost everywhere like $15 an hour, right? And that's hard to take care of your family on $15 an hour. We are the billionaires. America isn't a billionaire-type country, right? We're, we're first world. Well, a third world country, if you want to use billionaires, millionaires, somebody would be making 15 cents an hour. That's the difference between $1 million and $1 billion, is $15 in a first world country like America and 15 cents. How are those two things considered the same? Right. They're right. not. Exactly. Not, they're, they're just not even, to use a famous baseball phrase in the same ballpark not even mm. close uh all right so here we go before we can get into the i'm hoping the 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 jeter walker thing we can do will will be amicable we'll see if we butt heads yes. during that let's say we'll, we'll spend try. more time on, we'll i want to give you five minutes here to to take the floor and tell us what's going on with the yankees and the 2017 video thing and what did rob manfred know and is this like the red Sox and 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 what's going on there uh because it's another one of these things that i think with so much going on fans are inclined to just kind of loop it in with baseball is dirty right now and it's bad and here's another gigantic scandal so can, can you tell the folks what what's going on there and what your sort of response is i'd say the yankees did the exact same thing the astros did send them to hell and that's it no, man, it's uh, it's really unfortunate, man, because here, here's we've been a Yankees podcast and we've fessed up to it. In 2015 and 2016, the Yankees did what the Red Sox did and a lot of other teams around the league did was they used the initial replay room to relay signs. And, um, you know, hey, when we're talking about Bobby Manfred as well, might as well loop him into this. The fact they never put it together that if you put a replay room next to the home dugout, that guys <laughs> are going to use that to try to figure out his signals and relays and all that stuff. So I think the very important part in the timeline here is the 2017 year you're mentioning because the Yankees and the Red Sox were both yelled at for this. The Red Sox also had the Apple Watches mixed in and all that or whatever. So 2017 kicks in. The Yankees stopped doing it. I think they were even accused again, and they were found not to do it. The Red Sox, um, after that, had continued to do it. And most importantly, uh, you know, yes, they were relaying signs to the runner on second and everything like that, but they kind of spit in the commissioner's face, which back in the day used to mean something, um, used to mean a penalty. Uh, So... But that is what it is. Either way, nothing is near as egregious as what Houston did. And uh, so, you know, Boston and the Yankees did very similar things. Boston also kind of kicked the commissioner in the dick the year later and and went uh, another half step further. Um, The Astros are in a whole nother league. Like, it's not even a conversation. And I I don't want to get into dirty journalism, but... The way that article was presented this weekend was some serious clickbait. And, hey, maybe I'm coming off as Yankee Homer as they come, but there was really no new information revealed. 
And I'll say this, the the one thing that I think any person could come back with is then why don't want, they want the letter to be open? I want the letter to be open. I don't think there's shit in there. Pardon my French. Um, and I, from everything we've heard of, and, you know, we do have some sources that are closer to the situation, it's absolutely nothing. And I think it was thrown out there to kind of get them clicks up. So if, if you guys got more or want to bring it at me and tell me the Yankees are bad guys, I'm always open to that conversation. No, I mean, I'll, I'll begin at first by saying I, I think your characterization of how and why the Red Sox and Yankees is way different than what the Astros did is totally fair. And I've, I've tried to explain that to people as well. That the Astros did something that was organization-wide that involved players – Coaches, manager, GM, scouts at the minor league level all getting involved in this thing where both the Red Sox and Yankees are basically accused of having a video guy or two uh, go an extra step and and give players more information than those players probably should have had. Um, But... Yeah, I, and and to be honest with you, I do think the the one thing that looks the worst here is that element of like they don't want it unsealed. I think it looks worse on the commissioner than it does uh, yes. the Yankees because the because the, there there are two possibilities right there that the the Yankees cheating is worse than we thought, and, and that could come out if it's unsealed. Um, or the other thing is that the commissioner knew this was going on, knew what was going on with these other teams, knew what was going on in Houston, and did more or less nothing about it other than send teams a letter saying, hey, would you would you quit? And that was it. And he doesn't want that to get out, right? I mean, Patrick, do you see any other reasons why? No, I mean, Jake, you started it off by saying, yeah, the, the Yankees – are in, in a lot of ways just as guilty as the the Red Sox and, and Astros, you know, in, in in some ways, right? But but not entirely because it's. I'm trying to think of an analogy of like when you were in school and, you know, last five minutes of class, teachers like, all right, I'm done. They're over by their desk, and you use some you know more adult language. You're goofing around with your friends, but the teacher can look the other way on it, right? You're dropping some f bombs, whatever. They look the other way. Then in class the next day, someone blatantly out in the open use the f word and the teacher goes oh that's enough all right i'm tired of this language shut it down that's the yankees then the red Sox go and they're like all right let me try it and then you go whoa you're you're staying after you're getting detention it's very clearly i am not happy with this language and then the astros stand up and like oh yeah check me out you know full well you should not be using this language and they're like i'm still gonna do whatever the hell i want okay fine i'm I'm gonna make an example of you you're getting written up you're going down to the principal's office and that's it and and i feel like that's the analogy where yeah the first guy is wrong too the yankees are wrong for doing what they did but then it progressed and it's like Mm -hmm. There are, there are differences in, in, in the levels and what have you. And, yes, on one hand, they are all the same. They are, they are all cheaters in that way. But on the other hand, there are also these levels to it. Um, now, my analogy yeah. has been uh, the, the, the party animals. There were, there's some number of teams in baseball we're not entirely sure, and they all got wasted and went out for a night of doing stuff, a lot of which is probably – illegal some people were knocking over trash cans some teams maybe peed on a cop car you know you're like oh, okay that's no stuff and then the houston astros were like we're crazy and they went over and knocked over a liquor store 
And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then some people came out and were like, hey, everyone was being crazy and breaking the rules. And we're like, yeah. yes, yes. A lot of people walked up to and probably even crossed the line. But they didn't like graffiti the line, take a dump on it, run into the liquor store. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just I like, like that. that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, couple, it's been couple crazy. Kids, a couple kids smash mailboxes, the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Red Sox got caught once, and then they got caught doing it again. And for some reason, they really didn't get a punishment except Alex Cora. Um, And then, yeah, the the Astros burnt down a home and (laughs) gave like a Fonzie. We're cool, right? No, no, guys, you're not. This is what we're doing, right, guys? This is what we. (laughs) God, and what it isn't it crazy? Like we, it'd be pretty cool to have that be a story, but it's not either. I mean, how that. That used to be the conversation, how Houston was was saved this year from booing because of the coronavirus. They're not even a thought. I know. we got to get back to all that. Okay, so here are our <laughs> options now, gentlemen, as, as yes. I'm going to need another Breck brew here in a minute for sure. Um, we can either try to fit this Walker-Jeter conversation into about 10 minutes because I don't want us mm. to go too long here, 10, 15 minutes. Or we can schedule another time. Maybe when were they supposed to go into the Hall of Fame? That's later this month, right? Isn't the date for right? that? July. No, July. Oh. July 23rd through 26th. I don't know if we want to wait that long. We should do something, though. We should we should all get together and do something on that day since there's not going to be anything, and we'll just celebrate the careers of Walker and Jeter together. We, we could gonna... invite some Hall of Famers you know, to come on the podcast, but I don't know if they know how to use the technology. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Poor Ringlesby, dude. Just Bob Gibson trying to figure out, like, where, where is this man. voice coming from? We're like, hey, Bob, we love you, man. Not a Zoom, right? <laughs> He'll kick our ass if, if we talk Bob, about Bob, we're just going to show highlights of yours. Just be be on the camera. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do we, maybe, maybe we set the table here. A little appetizer. Yeah. Appetizer. I like Uh, that. All right. So then let me remind people, of course, about MSU Denver online. You get smarter. Boom. As you can tell, I have gotten incredibly smart. (laughs) I know words like you get and smarter, but for very seriously, you can get an extraordinary education at MSU Denver Online, whether you're starting out your degree for the very first time as a new freshman, whether you're trying to finish up an old degree, whether or not you just want a few more tools in your toolkit, you want to change directions in life, whatever it may be, MSU Denver Online has safe, secure, and incredible education opportunities and they're not just thrown together i don't know if you guys have seen some of the videos of these uh professors who are not used to social distance teaching dancing around and uh, history yoga has become a thing no 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 you get a real online education a lot of people not signing up for traditional schools right now because they have no idea whether or not they're going to get the benefits of them you can beat that trend by getting in with msu denver online right now check them out they got hundreds of classes and programs you're going to feel future proof when you're done at msu denver online so You'll also be able to, to learn about the ins and outs of FWAR and BWAR and DRS and how Derek Jeter is apparently the worst defensive player in the history of Major League Baseball. Ever, baby. <laughs> I, I know am that. proud of it. 
Damn proud of it. Your response, um, sir. Man, so here's... Uh, and man, because you and I, we, we were talking about this, I think, before I was leaving Denver. Maybe maybe it was after, but we wanted to do the whole thing. Um, and I, I had some serious stuff prepared, but hey, I'm... Let me start off by saying this, and I'll, I'll, I'll show the kids listening because people have forgotten in baseball that you can still be friendly and, and have a conversation. Uh, Larry Walker's an awesome ball player. I, uh, and diving into the course field effect, I think that was the biggest thing that people needed to get over, and he very much deserved to be in, and he's an awesome ball player. Awesome ball player. Uh, Derek Jeter, the shortstop, number two. Derek Jeter. Before we get into some of that defensive fun, because that's no fun, right? Let's talk offense. People. Oh, sure. Oh, look at that. Look what he did. All right. Okay. Bring yes, this. And. All right. Okay. And so let's talk offensive war, right? And, you know, uh, again, if you're, if you're not well-versed in that, you probably are. You're listening to a baseball uh, podcast. Derek Jeter is third all-time in shortstop offensive war. The gentleman in front of him, Onis Wagner and Alex Rodriguez. So you're either going pre-segregation or, you know, we haven't brought in black players. We haven't brought in anyone. Um, and is Onis Wagner a bad guy? I think, was that ever, I feel like that was no, I think confirmed he was or people ones. came back on it. I, either way. He's a good dude. So let's say it like this. Let's let's start phrasing things differently around Derek Jeter. He was the best offensive shortstop of the past hundred years. Is is that fair? Can we say something like that? Um, uh, the best one of offensive the, shortstops. The, one of the things. That. So so WAR is a counting statistic. Sure. And so it's naturally going to benefit anyone who has a longer career. Let's remember that when it comes to the defense now. Right. Um, so, you know, how are, how are defining best? I, I think you could say that over the course of his career, he likely provided more offensive value than any other shortstop uh, not on a game-to-game -game basis, but certainly just in total over the course of his career. I think that's fair in the last 100 a years. A right. As a career, I mean, uh, again, going off O-War, uh, it's Honus Wagner, it's A-Rod, which uh, will exclude A-Rod from this for juice, and uh, he did slide over to third, but whatever. I mean, A-Rod, uh, sure. bad guy, whatever. So it's Robin Yount after him. Um, it's Cal Ripken Jr., which, again, I'm on the record. Cal Ripken Jr. is the only guy that I feel should be hot about things. Because Cal Ripken Jr. had an I incredible career. I'm not going to fight that. But he also slid over to third base when Jeter did not. And I think, you know, it, Jeter staying at shortstop. Shortstop. I started short talking like an, S like an SNL character there. <laughs> the guy in the hot tub. Um, you know, Jeter got hurt and he stayed at shortstop for too long. But guess what? And this ties into everything going on in the world. Baseball's entertainment. And I wanted to see Derek Jeter play shortstop. I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't want to see Derek Jeter play left field. That's Was that you selfish? Know, That's the question. Is that selfish? Because Ripken, while he moved over to third base, he could have stayed at shortstop like Jeter did. But he also saw an opportunity because at the time, Orioles were able to bring in a fantastic shortstop by the name of Mike Bordick 
for those sure. out there who Handsome. follow the game incredibly closely. Yeah, Mike Bordick was a fantastic defensive shortstop. So, hey, I'll move over to third base, and now we can have two goal glovers over there, and his bat was still good enough to be a, you know, a corner infielder in that sense. And, yes, I know the conversation was Jeter could have – Jeter still could have been very valuable defensively because the discussion wasn't even necessarily that he would go to left field. I think when, when it really started – the conversations heat up, started heating up in his, maybe his early 30s to mid-30s was center field. So he still could have been an incredibly valuable player to his club but ultimately decided to stay at, at shortstop. And so let's, let's, let's agree – the offense is there. I know there is an argument against the MVP. He never got one. But I will tell you, I think it was 19, what year was it? Maybe it was 98 or maybe it was 99. He had the highest uh, position player war in the American League, and he did not win the MVP. So, um, And he was on the first place Yankees. So it wasn't like a losing team thing. Um, you know, Derek Jeter could have easily stumbled into one or two MVPs, but hey, I, I kind of don't even care. It's, um, you know, he's a he's a fantastic offensive shortstop, arguably the best of the past 100 years of baseball, um, and I think that should be appreciated to some degree. So let's you're, do the defense. You're you're right. And, on 98, uh, he had 7.5 WAR, uh, second position player behind Alex Rodriguez. And Clemens, when he was with Toronto, as at 8.1. So you're right; he was there. He was he was third overall in uh, B WAR in the American League in '98. Ended up finishing third in those MVP race. And then I think yeah, it's in, no Walker in '97 or Helton in 2000, but it's close. And yeah, in 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 '90 in '99, Derek Jeter finished sixth um, in the AL MVP voting. He had a eight WAR that year, only behind Pedro Martinez, which Hey, you know, if a pitcher gets the MVP award, that's not a bad year to do it. But still, I just I think that should be out there if we're reanalyzing awards. And I think even at the beginning of this Corona thing, I think the MLB Network did one, and I think uh, Petriello put it out there. So it either way, Derek Jeter is a special shortstop, and it just goes. I, I think the part that's missing, and if we're gonna, well, no, let's. I'll finish off Jeter for defense. Yes. Um, you know, the defensive numbers aren't great, and the end got worse. I will say this. Are offensive stats perfect? No, we know that. I, I know Drew is very uh, – the times we have talked about this, defensive numbers are what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start doing total war and you see what the defensive stuff does to Jeter, I mean, it, it kind of sucks because he had a reliable set of hands. You know, I, I don't know how all of the range stuff measured out. I like to play the height card sometime with Jeter when you compare him to these other shortstops like the Viscells and the Ozzie Smiths of the time. It's going to look different. Yet Cal Ripken Jr. graded out pretty well defensively. So I, you know, I, I say I don't have great ground to stand on that. Um, all I know is the people that were adults during that time period, because I was a kid, say that, yes, Jeter struggled going to his left. It's well documented. Who knows how that could have changed today in, in today's modern game where we have analytics on this thing. Is Jeter play, positioned differently? Um, anyone you talk at around baseball says that Jeter was very talented around pop-ups and things like that, and he had the sure hands and blah, 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 the range. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, either way, the Yankees ended up got some rings. It worked out. Um, and, yes, the team was great around him. We all know. But 
the the guy that I don't have the perfect argument against is Barry Larkin. Um, I think offensively they're very different peoples. Barry does have the MVP. I don't think we should hurt someone for playing baseball a long time because we know it's hard to play baseball for a long time. I think right. It is one of the skills of baseball is being able to play 162 games a year uh, and then do that more than once and then do it, what, 18, 19 times? So, and the the only thing that I would say, bringing it back to Larry for you guys, um, obviously a very special ball player. I just think the position thing gets overlooked too quickly. We tend to treat shortstops, and maybe it's a nowadays thing, but yet at the same time, you know, when Derek Jeter came up, it was him, A-Rod, Nomar. You don't see Nomar in any discussions. A-Rod was getting a little extra help. Um, and, you know, you guys are lucky enough to watch Trevor's story when they play baseball out there. Francisco Lindor, we referenced him earlier. You know, shortstop is coming around that maybe in 10, 20 years, we will talk about Derek Jeter and his stats differently. But as of now, man, he was the guy over the last hundred years. And I just think that's different than Larry Walker because, yes, very good. But I think there's other corner outfielders that you can put pretty easily into this conversation with Larry Walker where Jeter, it's Ripken, Barry Larkin, kind of. And that's where some of the New York stuff comes into play. Um, But at the same time, we hold Derek Jeter's playoff numbers against him. When he played great, isn't that the whole point? Like, if Derek Jeter had a 200 batting average in the playoffs, do you think that would be in my mentions every goddamn day? I think it would be. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, and and most importantly, the 100% stuff, A, Jeter didn't get it, um, but B, good job, that one voter. Um, you know, we need to get rid of that stigma. I mean, Derek Jeter should have been a hundred percent. Cal Ripken should have been a hundred percent. I mean, what are we really doing with these guys saying they're not Hall of Famer? So I, uh, I know I, I almost took up all of the 10 minutes, so I'll, I'll let you guys take 10 as well. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think. Oh, wait. One thing I want to do is, uh, we got frozen Patrick, half frozen Patrick. You're gonna have to repeat all this. We're gonna have, we're, we're gonna have to get him back in. Let's <laughs> see if he falls out. See if he knows. See how long it takes him. Get back in. Uh, I'm sure it was. I, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was going great too. He's gonna be able to to bring it back here in a second. While it's looks like it's still figuring out. Let me um just hop in and say. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, hey, he's starting to move. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have signs of life. Uh, good stuff. Uh, the the age we live in, right? Um, yeah. Bob Gibson. So I, I think that <laughs> that uh, it's the the assertion that that he's an all time great that should have been a hundred percent. Now I agree with your your claim about the. Um, we got to get rid of the stigma on the 100% thing. And there should be players that are in at 100%. I don't think that Derek Jeter was that level of baseball player. And, and as, as great a stat as OR can be for certain things, it, it's not the be-all, end-all of a guy's offensive profile for me. And, and I do you know, want to take a look at some of the pop, some of the on-base stuff. 
Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of WRC plus and OPS plus, but I'm going to look at those things too because they help us, you know, keep some things in perspective and 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 cross apply. And I I think when you take a look at all of those things and you do factor in the deep, that's the other thing is like the your shortstop argument I totally agree with, but it also cuts both ways if you're not a premier defender at a premier defensive position, and so. While I agree with you that like shortstops don't get enough credit, the the numbers game that catch up to Walker, where according to Jay Jaff's Jaws, what is he the eleventh best right fielder of all time? Well, how many outfielders have there been in the history of Major League Baseball, and how many shortstops? A lot more outfielders. Short, so the percentage, I'd really be very curious to see if you know Derek Jeter truly is a top five shortstop of all time i'm not sure but let's say he's comfortably top 10 for sure he you know maybe there in the six seven eight range i'm not sure and if walker's at 11th right fielder i think considering the number of outfielders that's actually more impressive for walker i think a lot of it is mystique honestly that jeter was always treated like a superstar in the game a lot of it comes from the postseason uh, a, a lot of it comes from being a Yankee. It does. And Walker, despite the fact that he was putting up insane numbers uh, and was an elite player on both offense and defense and on the bases in every element of the game. There's there's no argument here where with Jeter you're like, well, maybe if you squint, he was an okay defender. Like No, Larry Walker was an elite contact hitter, an elite power hitter an elite defender, he had an elite arm, and he maybe wasn't an elite runner, but he was an elite base runner. He wasn't, you know, his speed was probably just above average. And he spent his whole career of people saying, yeah, but. And that's why he doesn't feel like the otherworldly superstar that that Derek Jeter has. It looks like we've got Patrick Lyons back. Hop in there, buddy. Yeah, uh, Larry Walker, 10th all-time on Jay Jaffe's Jaws. Uh, Jeter's at 13th. But uh, as far as the outfield debate goes, uh, in, in the Jaws system, it, it inserts an outfielder at every position. So I would say that that levels out. You're essentially going to have the same amount of shortstops as you are you know, qualified right fielders. Yeah, maybe more players have played right field than shortstop, but... We're, we're we're cutting out the fifth outfielders like that's kind of that's kind of a moot point but sure. for the most part those guys are pretty level the thing that Jake said that really stuck out was you know you you mentioned about um you know Jeter Jeter's value of of kind of you know what he did and being so unique with maybe Ripken and Larkin kind of being in his class in that era whereas Larry Walker has many more you know, peers in his class. So that makes Jeter more unique and thus more valuable. Also, and there's no way for us to, you know, evaluate this. There's no statistic. Who do we think made their teammates better? Now, we know what Larry Walker was able to do as a teammate. He was a great teammate, very beloved. But I tend to believe Derek Jeter got a lot more out of his teammates than Larry Walker did. Derek Jeter say what you will about him being on center stage, you could use that for him or against him, right? Oh, he's a Yankee, sure. so immediately he's better. Okay, he's a Yankee, so immediately his job's tougher. Go ask Sonny Gray or go ask Carl Pavano, guys like that who couldn't get the job done in New York because it was the Yankees. 
you know, he was able to get that job done. And he was a captain amongst very few captains in that history. Number one being Lou Gehrig, right? And and you go through the, the, the history of time, and he was a captain. So in that way, I, I would I, – I tend to, to think, you know, it, it's – it's a fun conversation, and, and we'll have to continue doing it. But that, that's, that's something that there's no metric for. Jeter, I think, got, out, got a lot more out of his teams. And, you know, you're right, Jake, this idea of, like, well, look at what he did in the playoffs. It, it wasn't a small sample size. Sure, it's a bummer. You could say, yeah, hey, Larry Walker was, re- you know, was pretty good in the playoffs. He wasn't Jeter. But, you know, if Walker had had more opportunities, maybe he would have been better. We don't know. But we do know that when it came to the playoffs, some of those Yankee players, Bernie Williams included, like let's not forget about him. He's a guy when I think, what's a, what's a similar Yankee comp to Larry Walker? If you asked a lot of you know, baseball fans from around that time who's better, it would, I could see it being a 50-50 split. I know, I know uh, Bernie was more of a center fielder, but you could go 50% Bernie, 50% Larry, and that's not entirely fair. I think the edge should go to Larry Walker, but that just kind of belies the point of, of – the importance of playing in those big games and producing and Jeter kind of had the best of all those worlds and was able to produce in the playoffs in the big spot on the center center stage at this incredibly tough position whether or not he should have been there or not otherwise <laughs> you know he it's 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 almost no contest in a lot of ways but it it could be it could be and that's what we're that's the conversation we're having yeah I wanna I wanna give Jake the last word on this here, so I'm, I'll I'll interject a, a few more thoughts and then I, I want to give you the floor. But um, on my current and I do not have my vote yet, but on my current priority list for when I'm going to vote for the Hall of Fame, uh, your impact on your on the team around you and your six, team success and winning in the postseason and winning championships is going to be at the very very bottom of my priority list when it comes to baseball players. If I was voting in the NBA or the NFL, I would I would probably care more about those things because an individual can have much more of an impact. I don't disagree with the assessment that Larry Walker, while a great teammate, was also kind of a, hey, let's hang out and go gambling and drink, do the thing or whatever, and wasn't exactly a, guys, we got to focus. We got to go out there and do the thing and win today. You know, he wasn't that guy. 100%. That's just I'll give it, it's worth some points. I'm not saying it's worth nothing, but I think it's it's probably the lowest thing on my priority list at the time. But I do grant all of those points to Team Jeter. The other thing I wanted to point out, and I can't find the stat in front of me. We, we, we've all seen it a couple times before. Our guy Manny Rondawa has kept it. But I, I thought it was important that because Jake qualified, and rightfully so in my opinion, the Alex Rodriguez stuff. So we're basically saying uh, you've either got a guy who we know had some help, or a guy who lived 100-some years ago. Well, when you look at the outfielders who outperformed Larry Walker during his career, they're all guys who had some help. And so it's worth remembering that, that Larry Walker was arguably, again, can you prove Larry Walker didn't take stuff? He's been adamant he didn't. We know some other guys did. Some other guys, there's just some big question marks. But... If we're going to include that in the conversation, which you did, and I think we should, Larry Walker is arguably the best outfielder of his generation who's totally clean. And I, hey man, uh, you know, I'm, I, I've got no qualms with Larry and I haven't done a deep dive on it, so I couldn't tell you if he's even, 
you know, close to those guys. If anyone's got a picture of pills in the locker or not, um, I know I haven't heard anything, so I'm I'm good with Larry. But I can use that for Jeter too. I mean, if there's exactly a guy right. that if there's a guy that doesn't resemble steroids at all, <laughs> right. it's Derek Jeter, and it's the whole time period he played. Um, so you know, uh, you know, I think that could be used as a booster for him as well. And I guess the only thing that I struggle with, and I'm sure me and some of the analytics people could get just in the fist fights that would never be resolved. And and let me bring it to my guy uh, Bernie Williams, who got mentioned before. Uh, you know, Bernie, his defensive numbers didn't grade out too well either, and he's got a couple gold gloves, and he, he never had a throwing arm. He was always very smooth in the outfield, long strides. And, uh, again, you know, the defensive analytics, and maybe I'm fully blind to it, and I will be because I'm a Yankees fan, and that's just how it works. Um, maybe the defensive graders went tougher on my Yankees, and I'll, I'll live with that another time until I can get some more nerds to research it better for me. But I think there's something to be said to the value of actually playing the position, uh, whether it's special or not defensively. Would Bernie Williams's career numbers had looked a lot more impressive if he only played left field? Probably, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you're doing some quick turkey math in your head there that a center fielder playing left field for his whole career, I mean, what do Bernie Williams' defensive numbers then look like if it was kind of transitive. So I think there's something there. And then I just want to bring that back to shortstop because for whatever reason, the best kid on every team growing up always plays that position. Uh, You know, when you start playing little league and for whatever reason, for the past hundred of years to put together a career at that position, you know, we can only grab a few names. And I, I just think, for, for whatever reason, and, you know, I, I don't – not a left-handed, right-handed thing, but, like, Larry Walker couldn't have played shortstop. And I think there's a lot of people that you can point to and say that, and I know this spins into a whole conversation, well, Derek Jeter couldn't play shortstop either. Well, he did. <laughs> and, and the team no, you're won. right. That's right. You know, so I – you know, the Yankees draft pick – tying things together you know i said he's a hitter and he's listed as a catcher and i think he's played a little outfield you know that kid maybe he sticks at catcher maybe he ends up at first maybe right field maybe dh you know shortstop ain't an option um and i just think for whatever you know we put catchers in this category where the catcher stats need to matter more because they're behind the plate and grinding every day and shortstops need to get there and i i think like i said with the cores effect People need to actually look at the other shortstops and be like, holy smokes. When you look from the last 100 years, it's him. It's Cal for the period that he was at shortstop. It's, um, you know, Barry Larkin kind of. And, I, hey, I'm just saying this. If you gave every GM a shot to have Barry Larkin's career or Jeter's career, I think 30 out of 30 are going Jeter. And maybe that is plain bias. But there's – and maybe it's the little stuff we hinted at at the end there. But um, I, I don't know. I just think in the realm of people at the shortstop position and where Jeter really lands, um, that's what I got. Yeah, I and and I to just to further that point, I've always been of this opinion. I famously wrote a series of articles where I claimed that on a game to game basis, when he was healthy, Troy Tulowitzki was better than Mike Trout, and I still believe that that was true. And a lot of it is because. 
At the time, Troy Tulowitzki was a top five offensive player in the league and a top five defensive player in the league at the toughest position. And the two players that I was able to compare him to at the time, who was the only other offensive shortstop who was in the conversation? A guy named Hanley Ramirez, who eventually had to move to first base and left field and all this. He was the hitter. And who was the only guy who was even in the conversation in terms of defense? A guy named J.J. Hardy, who used to play fantastic defense for the Baltimore Orioles, but couldn't hit a lick. Had a very short, well, relatively short career because of it, to your point. But what happened to my dude? His legs fell off his body, and he's retired and coaching for Texas now. So on a game-to-game basis, I was right. Your point is not to be uh, undersold that staying at shortstop and producing, even if it's below average uh, defense, but with consistent above average offense and just staying there for that long should not be uh, shaken out. Fans here know, like Trevor Story's breaking these, these records and some of it's because he's extraordinary and some of it's because to hit 100 home runs as a shortstop is an incredibly rare thing to do. And if Story can stay healthy, he might work his way into this conversation. But we used to say that about Tulo, and he Tulo. will not be. No, Mar. Um, I mean, there's there's guys, and there's there's always a crop. And, uh, hey, this is how much I love baseball. If this current crop, Lindor, Tatis, if, if all of these guys picking it at shortstop and putting up crazy stats, if they want to blow Jeter out of the water, I'm fine with it. Um, but for some reason, it just doesn't happen. And it people kind of need to put on the way you look at a catcher. When you're impressed by what Joe Maurer does because he's doing it behind the dish, um, because there's a lot of guys around the league that can't hit a lick, like we don't view shortstop that way, but the history tells us we should. Yeah. Javi Baez and yeah, boy, Glaber Torres. Can't forget about baby, those baby. shortstop. It's quite the era, but we'll see. Again, um, we've said this at other times, uh, and we'll see how many of them hold up. You know, even Manny Machado has had to change position a little bit back and forth. So, um, all right, Jake, man, this was this was a bit of a marathon, but we we never keep it short, can we? We just can't, we can't. do it. We can't because we love baseball, damn it. So bring it back. I'd I'd love to do some more Larry and Jeet stuff with you guys. Hopefully, we could talk about. Real live baseball. How nuts would that be? Uh, we'll, we'll all keep our fingers crossed. We'll have to Can get I, together sometime I, after. I, yeah. As you guys always know, I need I need one take from you guys. I need like a Rockies thirty man roster take that like watch out for Garrett Hampson or uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tapia. I need I need something that I can bring to people that I sound like a Rockies insider. Oh, you want the good one? Yeah. Want, okay, I'll give you I'll give you two names. A pitcher and a position player. I'll decide on my position player in a minute. But here's who you need to know. Antonio Senzatella. Okay. Starting pitcher. Popping the mitt. Yeah. 25 years old now. He got in shape. He stopped eating all the all the stuff the wife was feeding him, all the candy. He was sad about missing out on his candy, but the young man's in shape. He's driven. He's ready to go. Uh, Antonio Senzatella. If you are in an NL-only fantasy league, Chris Owings is the guy for you. Wow. Like multiple positions. Wow. He's back. I think he I think he's back not like that's, you know, Derek Jeter's back, but he's back to, you know, he's a guy that can steal 15 bases, you know, is is going to be starting 
four to five days a week because he can play just about everywhere. And you're going to kind of see, you know, the best of his days, you know, in Arizona. That those best days weren't as an all-star, but there was a guy you go, shoot, this guy's, you know, putting some, some things together. And I'm throwing him out there at second, short, third base. You know, if Arenado needs the day off, he can play a little outfield. And only fantasy, Chris Owings, very deep cut. <laughs> yes. That's some good stuff. All right, here's my position player. I got it for you. Now, Rockies fans, fans of the podcast know this guy, but your national people will be more impressed by this one. Sam Hilliard. You got to go with Sam Hilliard. Big boy, Uh, right? He's he's 6'5", you know, 232. I mean, he's he's built like a truck. Uh, Real, real pop. Uh, Kind of a big swing. He's going to strike out a lot, but... Uh, not quite elite level speed, but the next down. He's probably the second or third fastest guy on the Rockies. Um, he stole 20 or more bases like the last four years in the minors. Like, no. again, the Rockies system just say, hey, go and run. We they literally the just don't care. <laughs> Figure it <laughs> out. Go, but it's like, why not? Yeah, go out yeah, there. Yeah, it funny. looks like the Belmont stakes when he's on the bases, except there's no jockey on his back. Yeah. But he can move. Uh, the Rockies started playing him in, in center field a little bit. He's taken to it. Big cannon for an arm, so he's going to find his way into the lineup. And he just uh, he got his September call-up at the end of last year and was just ridiculous, yeah. was smoking hot. Hit like seven, was it seven home runs on the stretch? Was taking guys like Ryu. And, and in the final game of the season, uh, down to their, their final out and down a run, he got Josh Hader to tie it up, and that and he, that ended up screwing up the Brewers, who had to fall into a one-game playing against the Washington right. Nationals that they did not win, and the Brewers should have won their division, but Hilliard got him. Uh, the rest of the Rockies played their role as well, as he reminded us on our draft day coverage. But literally, Hilliard strikes out there, ball game over, takes Hader deep instead. It's fantastic oh, stuff. That's And, and maybe yeah. the craziest thing about Sam Hilliard was that he was a 15th-round draft pick. Yeah. Yes, and he thought he was gonna when he was selected, he was gonna be a pitcher because that's what he did a little uh, at Wichita State. And no, he said no, we're we're gonna make you an outfielder. So you know, spent a year at every single level, but his numbers were phenomenal. I, I don't think he was the MVP last year in the Pacific Coast League, but hit thirty homers, close to hundred RBIs, like you know most of the league did. But <laughs> he did it with style and grace, uh, unlike many. Damn. Guy oozes Damn. tools, man. Check out. I Hilliard. love that, and uh, I I haven't I haven't really had my sad thoughts about the the draft only being five rounds yet. But uh, when you hear something when you hear something like that. Yeah. What? Uh, Oberg also crazy. taken in the fifteenth round. The Rockies' best reliever. Guy struck out the final four guys in the wild card game in Chicago to win the most important game in the last decade of Rockies baseball. He was taken in the fifteenth round of the draft. Have you guys started dreaming Rocky short season championship yet? Of course. What are you kidding me? Okay, good. Everyone's in it now. But we... The Rockies have never won the NL West, and it's very Rockies. Oh, it's there. First pennant it's in a 22-and-a-half right game season. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do the half-game thing, but Manfred will find a way. 22-and-a-half games. <laughs> uh, the Rockies will go 16-and-six-and-a-half to win their first ever NL West pennant. Yes. That's a hot take. I haven't said that. I'm in on that. There yet. There, there it is, the Patrick Lyons guarantee. <laughs> all right, well, make sure you're checking out all their stuff at Talking Jake at John Boy. Uh, what what are the other plugs? What are the, what are the sites? Man, I I won't even plug my stuff. I know we got the Rockies folks here. Trevor Plouffe does a show called Sequence on YouTube that uh, 
they they just go over some big at bats and he had David Dahl on and uh mm-hmm. Dahl is a hitting junkie um eyes eyes lit up so you know that he's done some other other guys Yelly was the biggest pull um and uh but yeah I think McCutcheon so if if you're a hitting nerd go check it out or if you're just a Rockies fan I mean go check out Dahl he's funny just you know you guys know kind of a little shy southern guy but boy does he love to talk hitting oh mm-hmm. my god yeah so go go check that out and get a breckenridge brew keep those ads coming baby <laughs> that's right or mile high green cross whatever whatever's helping you through the day right all right jake thanks so much for talking the time talking the time actually that yes, still sir. works that's our uh, new show guys there it is the if you talking stuck around time. for 90 minutes talking the time <laughs> Jake, Drew, Patrick, all your favorites. Talking the time. Make sure you're following everybody on the social media. You subscribe to the DNVR.com. You use uh, whatever sale is going on this week and get yourself some cool merchandise. Make sure that you're following us for all the live chats on, whether it's Facebook, Periscope, but especially the YouTube. Give us a like and a subscribe there. You can find all this stuff. You can come and join us. A lot of fun having people along for the live chats on YouTube. Otherwise... Just remain absolutely awesome out there. We will remain absolutely Patrick Lyons, talking Jake and Drew Griesman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.